Welcome to Wednesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. John Schmelk, Paul Dottino, and Lance Meadow with you at 201-939-4513. Hashtag Giants Chat on Twitter. If you want to get in touch with us that way, you certainly can. And we have all your questions that come in as well. So make sure you go to Giants.com and submit your questions for Big Blue Kickoff Live, and we will get to them. The specific URL to do it, go to Giants.com slash podcast slash BBK questions. Again, it's Giants.com slash podcast slash BBK questions or hashtag Giants chat. On Twitter, we're going to have our third and final mock draft today leading up to the draft. Then we'll answer a bunch of your questions from Twitter along the way to uh, Lance, Paul, um, how are you guys feeling now one day before this thing finally happens? Let's make it happen, John, okay? Enough <laughs> waiting. I wish we could do it right now for real. See, Paul, I don't agree with that. I'm dreading this because I'm terrified once this is over what the heck we're going to talk about for four months before I understand the, the that. thing starts. I totally understand that, uh, and that's a very real possibility. There is an endless number of college players that I can go find and learn stuff about. Once they're all drafted, it's not nearly as meaningful. <laughs> I'm serious. Well, there'll be the reactionary period, of course. Yeah, that lasts about a week and a half. Yeah, but then we could <laughs> delve deeper into the picks. We actually have the flexibility to do that this offseason, maybe yeah. more so than we have had in the past. Yeah, that that's a true. fair point. If you, By the way, if you guys have any ideas of what we could talk about in June <laughs> and July, you can send those in to, 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 the, to the questions, too. Yeah, submit those questions <laughs> yes, and recommendations. Please, sure. Giants.com yes. slash podcast slash BBK questions. Get them in. All right, guys, so we did three, uh, two mock drafts already. One each of the last two weeks, and we've had the results. I did the reporter's mock draft. I posted those results online, too. So here we go. This is our final mock draft. The first draft, I selected fourth for the Giants. Paul selected 36. In the second draft, Paul selected fourth. Lance selected 36. And now in the final draft, um, Lance will be selecting fourth, and I will be selecting 36. So we rotate every three picks. Trades are allowed. I hope somebody else besides me gets into the training game this week. That could be fun. But we're going to start with Lance Meadow with the Cincinnati Bengals at number one. The first two have been chalk at Joe Burrow, and I imagine this is going to be no different. Well, considering there was a report that came out earlier today that the Bengals have already notified Joe Burrow that they're going to be taking <laughs> oh, I didn't the top see that. Is that pick. true? <laughs> yes, that was according to CBS Sports. I, I don't think there's any point in me going off the script. So I think it's real simple. Joe Burrow, a lock to go number one to the Cincinnati Bengals. Not complicated. Paulie Dots? Well, you know, the Washington Redskins, uh, I'm sure that they probably entertain calls. I think we've pretty much ascertained over the last couple of weeks that they wouldn't mind listening to people, but but I don't see them moving out, and I think they'll take defensive end Dexter Manley with the second pick. Very good. <laughs> Chase Young. Thank you. Oh, boy. oh boy. Dexter Manley. Very good. All right, number three, the Detroit Lions. See, this is where the draft can pivot to me, and I feel like over the years I've been able to get a pretty good feel so for what people to listen to and trust around the league that have ins with these teams and talk to people and have a good feel for what they're thinking. And I've heard enough noise here. And the chalk pick here is obviously Jeffrey Okuda, right? And that's the chalk pick. And if I'm the Lions, that's the pick I make. I've heard enough from people around the league that talk and have sources and all that stuff I'm getting the feeling that the Lions are not going to take Jeffrey Okuda. I think the Lions are going to take Derek Brown. 
So I'm going to select Derek Brown for the Detroit Lions at number three to try to shore up that defensive front. Still a defensive playmaker. Still considered one of the top three defensive players in the draft. I wouldn't make this pick. I think it would be a mistake. But I think the Lions will be infatuated with his ability. And they think they can find a cornerback at the top of round two uh, to assist here. Um, on their defense in the back end. So I'm going to go Derek Brown to the Washington Redskins and mix it up a little bit. I mean, to, to the Detroit Lions and mix it up a little bit, pardon me. Well, the Lions could use a defensive playmaker, and I think you can make an argument for Okuda, Simmons, or Brown to go to Detroit. I, sure. I think Okuda probably fills the much bigger need more so than anybody else because of obviously Darius Slay being traded to the Eagles. But Brown and Simmons still make sense for the Lions. They could use playmakers at every single level. Remember, Snacks is probably not in their plans moving forward here. So they need somebody big to eat up some space on that defensive line. I don't think it's that much of a stretch. Yeah, I'm with you on that one, John. I could understand them moving away from Okuda, but I would think they'd lean to Simmons over Brown because Patricia, again, coming from the Belichick Patriots scheme where they love versatility and they love to camouflage and they love the chameleon look, Simmons fits that more than obviously Brown does. So I, I wouldn't be shocked, believe it or not, if they took Simmons at three. I that, really wouldn't. That would, I, I don't, honestly, none of the three guys would shock me. Mm-hmm. I would yeah. still be surprised if they don't go Okuda, I think. But I don't know. It's one of those, you know, you, you kind of feel something sometimes. I'm feeling Derek Brown right now. So I'm going Derek Brown at three. Well, then comes the Giants at four, and I know there's a lot of speculation that perhaps they want to look to move down. I just don't see another team wanting to move into the fourth spot to grab a quarterback, nor do I see another team making an aggressive move to even take a player at another position. Isaiah Simmons would still be on the board, of course, so you can maybe entertain that. That's why I think the Giants are going to have to stay put when it's all said and done. And if they do stay put, I think they're going to go in the direction of the offensive line. And while you can certainly debate all four of these guys, I, I think there's pros and cons to all four of them. I think they're going to wind up taking Tristan Wirfs out of Iowa when it's all said and done. And that's kind of been, if you look at the recent mock drafts that have happened, and we haven't seen the last Kuiper one, we haven't seen the last Daniel Jeremiah one, the last Matt Miller one, but Albert Breer and Peter King, two of the most locked-in reporters around the country, both had the Giants taking Tristan Wirfs in their only mock draft of the year on Monday. And I thought the interesting note, and I put this up on Twitter, let me I want to bring it up so I get the exact quote. I thought Albert Breer, guys, I'm not sure if you saw it. I did see that. Had quote. a yeah. really interesting little nugget there. And Paul, I'm not sure if you saw it, so I'll happily I did. I'll read it. Well, maybe the fans did it. So I'll read it for, <laughs> I'll read it for them. <laughs> I, I, I was like, He's very enthusiastic to have read that, by the way. I am very enthusiastic. No, no, no Paul, this. I was saying. I only saw clearly. it because John posted it, to be honest. Okay, well, there you go. That makes sense. And now I can't seem to find it in my Twitter feed here. Hold on. Let me see if I can bring this up. Um, basically what he said, because I don't, for some reason I can't bring it up here, um, that obviously Judge has connections to both. Here he goes. I expect the Giants, regardless of GM Dave Gettleman's history, to aggressively seek a trade. And I agree with that. If they wind up picking here, I do think it'll be a tackle. I don't think it'll be Bakai Becton because of Becton's makeup. And what I've heard is that teams, as they investigate Wirfs and Wills, the Iowa staff is higher on the former than Bama staff is on the latter. New coach Joe Judge has relationships with both groups, and I think he'll lean on them here. I thought that was interesting. 
Yeah, well, I, I mean, also thought it was interesting. You know, and but the only thing that he forgot to mention is that the Kirby Smart Joe Judge connection to Georgia also goes back to the Alabama days. And for some reason, he left him out of his description. Well, maybe he doesn't think Thomas is an option. Maybe not. So, so that connection wouldn't quite have as big yeah, an impact. M- maybe not. But the good news for the Giants is that between Worms, Wills, and Thomas, Joe Judge has a very strong pipeline to all three of those personnel backgrounds. He may not have anything connecting him to Louisville and Beckton. I, I haven't found one yet, John. Maybe no, you have. I haven't. But but the other three guys, he will know which hand they brush their teeth with. <laughs> so, you know, the guy they pick is going to be well-researched. Scott Satterfield is now the head coach at Louisville. And remember, this was his first season there. So he brought in a completely new coaching staff. Just keep that in mind. There was a lot more turnover on Louisville staff than there had been in terms of where these other offensive linemen play. That may be one of the reasons why there's not necessarily a connection there. The other thing that I wanted to throw out is Daniel Jeremiah, who's going to have his last mock draft tonight. Yep. His most recent mock draft, he also had Wirfs going to the Giants at four. Yeah, and so does – I have the list here. Hold on. I can show it to you. I got Daniel Jeremiah in his most recent one, Charles Davis in his most recent one, Bucky Brooks in his most recent one, and Peter Schrager in his most recent one. Anybody that's done a mock draft in the last week and a half all has Tristan Wirfs. Every single one. Now, do they know something? Is that group think? I don't know. But I think it's interesting. All right, I got a couple questions here I want to get to specifically related to this fourth pick, guys. John, let me ask you yeah, one thing, please. though. Go ahead. Wasn't it Jeremiah last year who was the only guy on the universe who had uh, Daniel Jones at six? You know, the funny thing is he had Jones at six until his final mock, and oh. he had Josh Allen falling to six and the Giants taking him, which, it. by the way, ended up happening. <laughs> so he actually predicted him being there well. Wow. And as Dave Gettleman pointed out, that was a real tough pass on Josh Allen. So, yes. But yes, Daniel Jeremiah was the one that was on top of Daniel Jones early last year. That is correct. Okay, okay. I got two questions here, and you guys are going to have to pardon me because it's going to lead to a little bit of a rant on my part, all right? So I got two for the price of one year. First, Sonny in Minnesota, he asked this question a little more politely. For the fourth pick, shouldn't the Giants pick a rare and transcendent player like Isaiah Simmons rather than a tackle? The reason I ask is because there will always be great tackles in the draft in free agency, but how many Isaiah Simmons come along? I feel like the Giants' defense has been our biggest need, and we find ways to score but defending and giving up points has been our biggest challenge late in games. Also, the last few Super Bowl teams have had great defense. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. The second question, which this is sent to, by the way, the Giants mailbag account. This isn't even sent to the BBK questions thing. Mm -hmm. And this guy calls me out by name. Bill in Rhode Island. Listen to this. Given the fact that the Giants won their last two Super Bowls with defense, B, each of those squads' O-lines had zero number one draft choices, and, C, for years we have been losing games late because we've been unable to protect leads. How come John Schmelke, spelled with an E at the end, keeps insisting that rebuilding this team requires an old lineman with the fourth pick? Well, guys, let me lay it out for you really quickly. And even though Paul thinks we should select Isaiah Simmons, which I understand. No, 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 no. I want Simmons right, exactly. personally. Correct. I think the Giants should take the lineman. There's two different questions there. No, I said that would be your preference. Yes. Right, correct. But you will understand the point I'm making because we've made this point many times together. Lance, I think you agree too. This idea that in every draft, there are all these offensive linemen just out there, 
ready to be drafted. Oh, you'll find an offensive lineman here. Draft a developmental lineman. They'll be ready in a couple years. It's be okay. Does everyone have amnesia since 2012? I mean, seriously, people. Mm -hmm. We've been sitting here since 2013 in Kevin Gilbride's last year as the offensive coordinator when this whole offense fell apart because they couldn't block for Eli Manning. And it's been the same story for seven seasons. Seven. Okay? This idea that these offensive linemen are just floating around is nonsense. Offensive tackle specifically, perhaps is right now the scarcest position in the league. It's impossible to find. The best ones never even hit free agency. The only reason Jack Conklin did was because of an ankle injury, okay? It doesn't happen. By saying, we'll just find one, that's how you end up paying Nate Solder what you did in free agency a couple years ago. That's how you get there. That's how you have to pick Eric Flowers 10th overall when... He is a developmental player that had to get better at things and wasn't a set guy. That's how you get there, okay? And the and the other thing, too, and everyone brings this up, that, oh, the 07 line, 11 line, they have any first-round picks. It's a different universe, guys. It's a different universe when it comes to offensive tackles and offensive linemen. And Paul, you can speak to this, too. You can find offensive linemen back in 2004, 2005. They're out there. Now, with the way college offenses are run, these guys do not get developed the same way. The collective bargaining agreement in 2011, on top of that, has prohibited, and this last one has made it even worse, the ability to develop these guys in the pros because there are so few padded practice and physical contact to get these guys better. It's really, really hard to do. So that's why I'm advocating for an offensive lineman at the fourth overall pick because if you wait, who knows what you're going to get? If you look at the end for the first round, the beginning of the second round, and the last 10 drafts, it is littered, littered with offensive tackles that can't play. They, they can't hold starting jobs in the league. It's littered with it. So this is a premium position that's important to the team. It's one of the most important positions on the roster because you're protecting your franchise quarterback. And... In this day and age, is this in 2007 where, you know, you find the offensive linemen all over the place? They're much harder to find now, and that to me is the argument. The, the flippant remarks where, oh, you'll just find an offensive lineman, it's fine. And it's not like Isaiah Simmons is going to single-handedly turn around the defense either. He's not Lawrence Taylor, okay? No. He's not LT, and I've seen that comparison a lot. He's not. That's foolish. And not to say that he can't impact the defense, and he's not a special athlete, a special player. He can be. But, guys, look. Let me put it this way. If Derwin, if Isaiah Simmons has the same impact as Derwin James, I think everyone will be pretty happy. Derwin James was the 13th pick in the draft, okay? Derwin James is an excellent player. Excellent player. You know, Jamal Adams, excellent player. But let's not – these those types of players don't single-handedly turn around defenses. And I'm not saying the left tackle is going to single-handedly turn around the offense. But it puts a solid foundation in front of the most important player on your roster, Daniel Jones – to help this offense succeed. Right. And that's my rant. You guys go. John, you, you made all logical points, which is why the smartest thing for the Giants to do right here is to take the best offensive lineman that they can. And there's no question about that. But there's one point that, that I want to add to that. Please. Because the same guy contacted me on Twitter and made the same argument and came after me, of all people, the guy who has been championing offensive line for the last decade. I found that laughable. But nonetheless... Uh, the point that, that needs to be added here is that in free agency, years ago, 
you could purchase, if a good quality offensive tackle came on the market, you could purchase one for a relatively reasonable rate and not destroy your cap. But in recent years, because of the factors that you just outlined, John, the prices in free agency for guys who do reach the market have skyrocketed, therefore made it cost prohibitive and next to impossible to buy a quality one at a reasonable rate. The business of the league has changed. Bingo. And, and that just adds to the difficulty to acquire one if you can't get one in the draft. Yeah, the swing guys are even going for a lot of money on the market. Maybe guys who are not necessarily viewed as elite starters. So, you know, you have to take that into consideration. Plus, Jack Conklin, remember, had some injury history, and the Titans decided not to pick up his option. That doesn't happen for most guys that are taken high in the first round. Usually, they then reach their second contract, or you then have to trade for them, like Trent Williams. So, you know, those are most of the ways that teams acquire an elite tackle, which means you have to give up assets, you have to pay big money that eats up cap space. Let's be realistic when you look at the market. They do not grow on trees, at least the difference makers. Secondly, in terms of the point about defense, John, that you made, I agree. I think this defense needs more than just one playmaker to truly turn things around. I like Isaiah Simmons. I think he's an extremely talented player, but to say that he alone is going to snap his fingers in day one, completely transform this defense, I think is putting a bit of ridiculous expectations on the player. Not necessarily saying the player can't fulfill expectations, just a lot to put on one guy who's extremely versatile. The other thing is Derwin James is actually the 17th overall pick. Oh, he was, he lower was 17th. Than that, John. I'm sorry, you're right. No, it's fine. He actually, remember, had some off-the-field questions surrounding him that year, and he fell because of that. And he has been an extremely productive player, but I don't think he alone was the guy that turned around the Chargers' defense. No, I in think fact, having... you, could, you could argue he's the third most important player on the defense after Ingram and Bosa. And Bosa, exactly. I mean, they have two elite pass rushers, and they also added Linville Joseph this offseason, and they did a lot of work in terms of revamping the secondary. Chris Harris just came over, the former Broncos. So there's a lot of attractive pieces on the Chargers' defense. It's not Derwin James on an island alone. Yeah. So that's important as a key piece of the conversation as well. Yeah, and Another thing I want to, and I got one more question before we get to the to, to, to the next pick, um, but I want to make this point first. I went back, guys. Okay, I looked at the last eight drafts. I'll go through it very quickly. 2019, Jonah Williams was the only top ten pick. A lot of people, a top twelve pick. Um, yeah, he and was a lot 11. of a lot of people think he's going to be a guard. Okay, so the first true tackle, true tackle was taken at twenty two, and Andre Dillard. Andre Dillard is not as good as any of the tackles in this draft. Okay, he's just no. not. He's not. No. In 2018, Quentin Nelson at number six. Fine. Mike McGlinchey at number nine. McGlinchey is in this category with these tackles. He would be in the mix with these guys. Colt Miller at 15. He is not as good as any of the tackles in mm -hmm. this class. 2017, no offensive tackles taken in the top 15. 2016 is close, okay? Ronnie Stanley was taken sixth. He would be in this mix with this year's group of tackles. Sure. Excellent player. Yeah. Conklin was selected eight. A lot of people thought he might be a guard when he was drafted. They weren't sure about his feet. But I think he'd be in the Mackay Becton area. And then Tunsil was 13th. So 2016 is your best comparison for 2020. Then it gets ugly, folks, all right? 2015, Brandon Sheriff at five, guard. Then Eric Flowers. We know what happened with him. Andrews Pete was a tackle in college. He moved to guard. Cedric Ogbehi went to the Bengals at 21. Yeah, he's, he's no good. Humphreys at 24, eh. Donovan Smith at 34, eh. 2014, Greg Robinson at number two. How'd that work out? Jake Matthews at six. 
He would be in this group. He's yeah. a very good player, yes, no is. question. Uh, Taylor Luan at 11. He'd probably be at the back end of this group. Kind of in that. He, he'd probably be in, I think Luan and Jack Conklin are probably very similar, right, to how they were viewed coming out? I think those guys are probably in the same territory, you'd I say? Think, I think Luan actually had a lot more people in his court. I was more of a Conklin guy myself. Fair enough. Then 2013, and Juwan James was 19 that year, by the way. He's kind of in, he's in, he would be in a tier down from this group, but he's a decent player. Mm -hmm. 2013, you have one of the worst drafts in, in history with Eric Fisher and Luke Jokel at the top of the draft, all right? And then DJ Fluker at 11, who some people thought could play tackle, but that's obviously not the case. In 2012, only one tackle in the top 22. In 2011, uh, Nate's, uh, Tyron Smith was the top guy, obviously, and then Nate Solder got picked around pick number 20. So just look at the last 10 drafts. You want to tell me offensive tackles are readily available in all these drafts all the time? It's simply not the case. Maybe there's one. Occasionally there's a second guy that's a second-tier player. But to have four guys that have a real chance to be top offensive tackles, this does not happen very often. That's the only point I want to make. All right, here's the question. This is, then I can address this to you two guys, and I'll shut up. Miguel in the UK. Hi, guys. First time, long time. Um, he's not the Twitter, and calling's difficult because he goes into the UK, so he's happy to use the, the question on the website. Uh, assuming that the Giants are going to draft either Simmons or Gettleman's favorite offensive tackle, which of these players, if placed on the Giants' 2019 roster, would have resulted in the most wins for the Giants last year? So do you understand the exercise he wants us? If you just simply add that player to the roster last year, either a top OT or Simmons, which player would improve the 2019 Giants enough? Uh, more, rather. Paul. I probably would have gone with Simmons in 2019 because uh, the defense just really had no teeth at all. I mean, Marcus Golden tried to supply some bite, and I appreciate everything that he did. You know, I'm a big fan. Yeah, me too. But the linebacking core was just very passive, and, and they had trouble not only with uh, pass rush, they had trouble in coverage, they had trouble with run fits. There was just an all-around uh, difficult time. And I think offensively, despite some of the troubles they had along the, the tackle spots, they were able to function somewhat reasonably well. Yeah, I would agree with Paul. I think they put up enough points at times last year. I mean, there were a lot of games that went down to the wire where it wasn't necessarily because of the anemic offense. It was the fact that the defense couldn't get off the field or make a key stop, for example, in the overtime game against Philadelphia. So I think having an extra guy who could roam the middle of the field would have been advantageous for the Giants. Plus, remember, the linebacking core was decimated by injuries last season, guys. Let's not forget about that. You look at Connolly went down early with the torn ACL. Alec Ogletree got banged up. So if you had a guy like Isaiah Simmons, I think that would have at least given the defense, Betcher, another guy to at least throw in there who's versatile enough that would have helped, I think, in coverage, which was clearly one of their major issues. So if you're looking at it through the lens of just the 19 season, I think they needed much more help on the defensive side of the ball than they did necessarily on the offensive line. So to me, it's pretty easy. I'd go with Simmons. Yeah, I agree. I would go with Simmons, too. And I think partly because you have Mike Remmers at a right tackle. And I, yeah. thought he, I thought he did a real nice he job. He did. He held his own quite well. Exactly. And the other thing, too, guys, remember, a lot of people think, oh, yeah, the Giants' defense needs this now. Remember, folks, this pick is not for now. And a good offensive lineman can play on your team for 10, 12, more years than that. And New Year's a longer lifespan than a kind of an, an, an athletic linebacker type for one. But in two years, folks, remember, the Giants do not have one offensive tackle on their contract in two years. Nick Gates is a, is a free agent. Cam Fleming's a free agent. 
Nate Sold is a free agent. They're all, all of their contracts are up in two seasons, every single one of them. So that's something you have to plan ahead on. It's not something you can just take care of when it happens. Anyway, all right, let's go well, to pick number. Um, Paul, you want to add to that? I would only going to say, Please. John, you remember, I believe I said it on yesterday's show, I think the Giants are going to take two offensive tackles in this draft, and it wouldn't surprise me if the second offensive tackle is by the end of round four. And for that exact reason. Yeah. You need bodies, absolutely. All right, Paul, you're up for the Dolphins at number five. I'm going to save everybody a lot of time. It's between Tua and Herbert, and you know I think the Dolphins are smart enough to realize that Tua is a risky pick. They can't afford to make a miss, so it's going to be Herbert. I sat here at number six for the Chargers, and boy, I really wanted to not pick a quarterback here and just see where Tua would go just as an exercise if I didn't pick him, just for fun. But to me, even if Tom Telesco says, I want to pick Isaiah Simmons here, right? I don't think ownership lets him. They're in L.A. They have a new stadium being built. We all know their struggles with attendance, right? I think that ownership wants a face of the franchise. And there is no better face of the franchise than Tua Tungalavailoa, who really is a great kid, good dude, Mm -hmm. very, very, you know, just a really a big attraction for fans. So I even if Telesco doesn't want to do it, I can't imagine ownership will let him. So I'm going to it here for the Chargers. John, I add one thing to you, and it's not because they're the same kind of guy because they're not at all. But Jameis Winston was kind of influenced with the Tampa Bay selection because of his business value and his marquee and his headline value. That's a dangerous game to play when you start doing that. Now, what's your guys' thought here? Just before we move on to Lance's pick at seven, do you believe either of you, as of right now, that the Dolphins or Chargers will try to trade up to three with Detroit to get the quarterback so. they want? I don't think so. Lance. No, I don't think so either. I don't think that either of those teams perhaps maybe view it as a huge difference between Herbert and Tua. So I think that both of those teams can live with either one of them or perhaps just completely go in a different direction. Let's say they're not enamored with any of the quarterbacks. So I don't see the necessity in either of those teams needing to move to three or four to get ahead of the other. I think if anybody moves to three or four, it's somebody that is enamored with Tua or Herbert and needs to get ahead of the Dolphins and the Chargers. And that would have to be a team, to me, much lower in the first round, guys. I just I don't see Miami or the Chargers worrying about one another. See, here's what I think. I think one of them might. But I think they're just going to low ball, low ball the hell out of the Lions because they know the Lions are like, we're going to get the same guy, right? So what what does it hurt moving that a couple of picks? So I think they're going to offer like a three or something like that. And the Lions will have to decide whether or not they want to move down two spots, get the same guy they wanted at three, right, which is great, and just pick him an extra three. So I think a trade might happen. But I don't think we're looking at anything like the package the Jets traded to to move up to select Darnold, or we're even looking at what the Bears gave up to get Trubisky. I think both teams will lowball the Lions, and it's just a matter of whether or not the Lions accept the offer. And if they don't, I think the Dolphins and, and the Chargers will both stay put. That's how I look at it. The other wild card that I just want to throw out connected to this conversation Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network, as we're recording this program earlier today, he said that there could be another trade in addition to Rob Gronkowski. It could involve Trent Williams. And the reason why I throw that out, if the Redskins do make a deal for Trent Williams, I just wonder 
if it goes to a team that we're thinking is going to go after an offensive lineman, how that shapes the first round? And also, does it maybe change the Redskins' thinking, even though they should just run up the virtual card and get Chase Young? Does it change their thinking if they get additional assets that they want to maybe go in a different direction? I think those are all things you have yeah. to at least consider as we move forward in the next 24 hours leading up to Washington does not have their second-round pick. So they well, would and love that's why to, I'm throwing that out there. Right, but they would love to acquire then that second-round pick. Because I don't think they're getting a one for Trent. Williams, but if they can get a two, I think they'd be very happy with that. Yeah, and I think a two would be a huge win. And I think a team like the Jets would be a a real real sweet spot in a trade like that, to be honest with you. Given his injury history, I don't think a team should be paying more than a three. Well, we'll see. I think the Redskins will want more. We'll see if a team should be I think they should ask for more. (laughs) And if they get a two, I still think it's a huge victory for Washington, especially if you know the player doesn't want to play for you anymore and you gave him permission to ask for a trade and pursue it. Yeah. That's so leverage, you might as well though, get for something team. for him. That's leverage for the other team, though. Oh, absolutely, 100%. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to give you two. I'm just not. Anyway. All right, let's go to Lance so, and the Panthers at seven. And I think Carolina has prided itself on linebacker play. Even when Ron Rivera was there, I don't see that changing. Luke Keekley has retired. A.J. Klein just joined Buffalo. I think it's easy for them. They're going to grab Isaiah Simmons. Very yeah, that easy. Makes, that makes a lot of sense. And and we also know that the Arizona Cardinals at eight are desperate to protect Kyler Murray. Uh, there's no doubt that they're going to go offensive tackle here. The question now becomes, which of the guys do you go for? And I would suspect that given where they are at number eight, the value is probably smarter the smarter money. Again, the pro-ready guy is Thomas, but I got a feeling they're going to go for Wills. Yeah, I think, remember, they have a left tackle in place, too. Yes, so and he's a right tackle, and they can correct. afford to stick him there. Yeah, and then when the other guy leaves, then maybe you can move him over if you want. I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I think that's the pick that, that makes sense for Arizona. The Jacksonville Jaguars at number nine are open for business. Does anybody have any interest in trading up? Anybody? Anybody <laughs> want to trade up? Hello? Hello? Anybody? No? I don't okay. think so. Apparently I don't not. think so. Now, I will ask this question here before I make the pick, because I've gotten about 18 different questions to our BBK thing and the Giants mailbag about the Jaguars being a prime trade thing with the Giants, whether you're picking up their ninth pick and their 20th pick, or there's something involved with Ngakwe in a trade like that. Do you? And I, my answer is always, I just don't know what the Jaguars are thinking, if that's realistic at all. So uh, what are your guys' thoughts there as to whether or not the Jaguars are a realistic trade partner with the Giants at number four? Yeah, I I don't see it, John. I actually think that if there is a trade to be made there, and and I do happen to have the pick, it would be Tampa at 14 trying to come up to get one of the tackles because they desperately need to protect their 43-year-old quarterback. And so I think if there is any deal going down, it's going to be Jacksonville, but they would be moving back to try to acquire more picks because their roster is so thin, and Tampa Bay going up because they think they've got to get a tackle in the top ten. I agree, and I think Cleveland, with their analytics department back kind of in the driver's seat here, I think 9 and 10 are both trade-back spots for the Bucs at 14, Paul. I'm with you on that. Yeah, I could see it. I just don't see Jacksonville making a move to grab a quarterback. And I understand that Gardner Minshew is not a top-level pick, but I think he made some strides last season based on what he was thrown into, and they seem to be very high on him. And here's the other thing, John. You threw out if Ngakwe is involved in a deal where it's Ngakwe and a pick maybe for the Giants then to swap with Jacksonville. Keep in mind, you then have to work out a contract with Ngakwe. 
you, you can't just operate on the island that you bring in Ngakwe and then everything's going to work out. You have to work out a deal. He was given the tag. He was given the tag because he's a free agent. So you're giving up assets, and then you have to have the cap space to absorb Ngakwe plus give him a new contract. So that's why that, to me, complicates matters when you're involving a player like that. Can I give you one more item to that, Lance? And I'm tired of hearing people get to me on Twitter saying, okay, make the deal for Ngakwe and relinquish the tag on Leonard Williams and let him go free because we'll use that money to pay off Ngakwe. I've gotten that a bunch too. And that's ridiculous because Williams, I think, in the giant scheme, is going to play two positions for them. He's going to play defensive end sometimes, and he's going to slide in and be the three-technique defensive tackle sometimes. And so you're going to now create a hole in two spots if you're taking his money and giving it to Ngakwe, who is strictly a pass rusher. No, I think those are fair points. You can't just bring in one guy, open up the door by getting rid of another player and thinking that you have no more voids left. And really, because you're also banking on, by the way, the guys who are the youth movement on the interior, Dexter Lawrence, B.J. Hill, and Dalvin Tomlinson, who's a little bit older. You really are expecting them to make significant moves up in terms of their development in collapsing the pocket and getting pressure on the quarterback. And I think the jury's still out with that group. And those questions, by the way, from Chris, Samir, Andrew, and Matt. I would love to make a trade with the Jaguars and pick up their ninth and 20th picks. I think that'd be great. I just don't see them looking for a quarterback. And frankly, there's enough good players here, guys, at number nine, where if I'm the Jaguars, why would I want to move up? You know, if you take a look at how this first round has gone at number nine, there's a really good chance they're going to have their choice of either Derek Brown, Isaiah Simmons, or Jeffrey Okuda, whichever guy is left on the board at number nine. There's a real good chance that's going to be the case. And if that's the case, why in the world would they trade up? Well, right now, Okuda's still there. And guess what? That's who they're taking. <laughs> it's, it's easy. No and But you know what? Even if it was Derek Brown that was sitting here at number nine, yeah, I, think that's an easy, I think that's an easy pick for them, too. Sure, there's no doubt. I think number nine's a great spot to be in because if two quarterbacks go, a couple of offensive linemen, Chase Young, you're going to have one of those top defensive players sitting there for you at nine, and you just run, you just run into the speed dial, and then you dial in the pick. It's easy. Jalen Ramsey and A.J. Boye are gone. Yes. Who's their starting corners? Okuda would be a perfect sense yeah. for Bingo. them. And it would be tremendous value, too. Lance, number 10. No You're up, sir. Well, Cleveland, I think, is still looking to bolster its offensive line. I understand they have some options. I'm not denying that. But there's also an overwhelming amount of talent surrounding Baker Mayfield. And what was the issue for Baker last year? You can argue some of it was his decision-making. The other equation was he was getting pressure an awful lot. So I think they're going to look to bring in ring, a ring, presence. Ring, no, ring. I don't think they're going to be trading. Lance, I think they're going to want to take advantage. The Broncos at number 15 are on the phone. <laughs> they're offering pick number 77 and 118 to move up to number 10. I don't think Cleveland's passing up an opportunity to take an offensive lineman. They, they but desperately you, Lance, you can get an offensive lineman at 15. I don't think you can because I think there's <laughs> two not. left and I think they're both gone because Tampa Bay is going to take an offensive lineman. So if... That means I move to 15, and the Jets are an option for an offensive lineman. I'm running the risk too much. Why take that chance? Yeah, I agree with that. It I, just doesn't make any sense. I had to make the call, Lance. Well, I'm <laughs> listening, but I'm also not going to run to appease to your offer. No, I think fine. they're going to take Makai Becton and try to push that pile as far as possible forward for Baker Mayfield and those running backs. 
Well, you make a good point with the Jets at number 11, Lance. I do think they could certainly use an offensive lineman, but we also know they desperately want to get a big play wide yeah, receiver. Yeah, it's a tough call here. And, you know, I, I know it is, John, but I got a hunch that they think they can probably get by on the offensive line with what they have oh because they desperately want to make Sam Darnold a happy guy. They made a lot giving, of moves this offseason. By giving him C.D. Lamb. Well, I'll tell you what, it'll make Sam Darnold happy to get a wide receiver or an offensive tackle because I'll tell no you, I, all I remember is getting ready for that Giants-Jets game last year and watching the three games the Jets played before they played the Giants and Darnold was running for his life on yeah. every play. Every play. Yeah. yeah. I, I agree. Well, I, and look, also to he me, had it problems comes down. in terms of who to throw to as well. Oh, yeah. So. Well, and they also lost Robbie Anderson, right? Yes. Correct. He's in Carolina. Yeah. To me, it comes down to Lamb or Andrew Thomas at that point. And I just got a feeling that they're going to go for the splashier guy because they're the Jets. So they're going to take Lamb. C.D. Lamb to the New York Jets at number 11. The Las Vegas Raiders up at number 12. They were hoping to have their choice of the wide receivers, but one of them is gone now. Um, they could also use a cornerback, and they're actually surprised that one C.J. Henderson is still on the board. So they think he's the best player available right now, and they are going to run to the podium and select C.J. Henderson, cornerback out of Florida. Okay. So that means now the San Francisco 49ers are up. And San Francisco, I think, needs a wide receiver. Well, Lance, the 49ers right now do not have a second, third, or fourth round pick. So the Miami Dolphins are on the phone, and they're going to offer you the pick at 18, number 70, and number 141. We're going to give you a third and a fourth to move down five spots from 13 to 18. I'd be more than happy to make that trade. You yeah, can have I agree. It. You can absolutely have that pick. And I think that's a trade that does make sense, by the yes. way, and is very realistic. Because I also think the guy that I was going to give the Niners there, I think he's obtainable at 18 anyway. Okay. Yeah, that's a good move. I think it's a good so move for both teams. It. I agree. <laughs> but the Dolphins have a million picks, and now they get to select their favorite guy, and they're going to move up. And you know what? They have a young quarterback in Justin Herbert. You know who's still on the board? Andrew Thomas to protect his blind side for the next 10 years. So sorry, Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. No offensive tackle got to you at 14. You shouldn't have sat there and waited. You should have picked up the phone. I'm taking Andrew Thomas. By the way, that's why I also didn't make your trade with Denver from okay. Cleveland's perspective for that very reason, because now, now they're all now, gone. Now, first of all, you did exactly what I did not want you to do, John, in going up to get that offensive tackle uh, with Miami. But remember, I also suggested that Tampa might want to go up to nine Correct. with Jacksonville to get the tackle. Well, you had the opportunity. I was selling the pick. Uh, I'm, I'm well aware. And now, <laughs> now, it is a, now it is a big problem because <laughs> that offensive line is really mishmash, and Tom Brady may not make it to the midpoint of the season. And that's just too bad, isn't it? Oh, boo-hoo. <laughs> um, so, anyway. But he is Gronk. He is Gronk there to protect them. Yeah, Paul. okay. God bless him. Um, <laughs> you know, can he play tackle? Um, so, you know, I, I don't see them making a reach here because that's what it would be. It would be a reach for them to take one of the second-level tackles at 14. So how desperate are they? to take a tackle when it would be strictly a need as opposed to best player available. So I suppose. Anybody want to trade up here for the Bucs? Anybody See, a team that phone? I was thinking that would give yeah. Tampa Bay a ring would be the Falcons. I have the 16th pick. But I think if Atlanta is going to move up, they were going to do it for a corner. 
and Schmelk took them at 12 with the Raiders yeah, and Henderson. I, I thought when the Jaguars were selling at 9, I thought the Falcons might give them a call. That was one of the teams I was hoping would call. I think well, that now that I look back, that's a potential – but I, I don't think it's necessary for Atlanta to move up now because I think they can get who they need at 16. Yeah, it's too late now, right? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, it's too late now. But it may have been something they were considering. And Thomas Dimitrov, remember, made that Julio Jones trade oh, where he gave up a lot of assets. He so likes the deal. I don't deal. think it's crazy to think. He likes the deal, no question. Yeah. All right, well, the other situation here, we if you just want to go by needs, I could see them trying to get themselves a running back to try to take some of the pressure off of Brady, but I don't think that Swift really merits the value this high. Well, Paul, would you want to trade down to 24? Would I want to trade down to 24 you with will the get, Saints? You will yeah, get, what, you will, what do you want to do? You will get a 2021 first-round pick from the New Orleans Saints. Oh. You will get a first-round pick in next year's draft. That's all I have to offer. The Saints don't have a lot of picks. Yeah. <laughs> That's all yeah. I got. That's all I got for you. But I'll, I'll, I'll make the offer. Uh, because you, you know the Saints, they are in win-now mode. They do not care about next year. They care about this year. Yeah, yeah. Do you happen to have a four that you could give me in addition to that? Uh, what do the Saints have for picks? Let me look up. What do you have a four? Are. If you got, you're going to give me a four in next year's one, I'll do it. Let me see what the Saints have to offer here. The Saints have... The 130th pick in the fourth round, that's at the end of the fourth. Where's that? No, that's actually the start of the fourth round. Um, I'll give you my five at 169. That's probably not going to help me a whole lot. Yeah, but I'm giving you one next year. I know, but the, so, one, next, the one next year is going to be really low. It's not going to be very good because okay. you guys are going to be good. Oh, well, that's true. So I, I really need I need pick number one thirty, which is smack in the middle of the fourth round. All right, I will. That's make, the one I need. I will make that trade. All right, so I'll I'll, I'll do that for you, and I'm going to move down into number twenty four. All right, and the New Orleans Saints. You have Michael Thomas sitting there as a big possession receiver in the middle of the field. You know who'd be really nice across from him? Henry Ruggs to stretch the field and give them another speed threat on the other side of the field. Ted Ginn's getting up there in age. They want some speed out there on the perimeter. The Saints trade up and select Henry Ruggs out of Alabama. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And that is going to be a nice... They also have Emmanuel Sanders, too, remember, that came to New Orleans. They do. That's why they want yeah. some more speed. You know, Sanders and Thomas are more kind of intermediate yep. guys, and they want someone to really stretch the field. That's why I didn't go with Jerry Judy, because I thought he was a little bit redundant. With, with those other two guys. So that's where they pick. And now the Broncos are up at 15. They were thinking about moving up too. But you know what? They don't have to because they knew that one of the wide receivers they wanted was going to be there. So they're going to gobble up Jerry Judy out of Alabama and select him at number 15. Lance, you are up at number 16 That's with the still Falcons. good news for the San Francisco 49ers, by the way, who are picking at 18 because the guy that I was going to take is still there. Okay, so there we go. We'll see whether or not those developments play out. Yes. So now Atlanta, which decided to stay put, is picking 16, and they need help on the defensive side of the ball. There's no doubt about that. I think a corner would have been logical, but the top two corners are off the board. I don't necessarily love the other options at this point in terms of value, so I think they tried to help that pass rush, and to me, it makes sense to bring in Caleb on chase on out of LSU. I agree. I think that's the pick. See, now of our three mock drafts, John, this is the one that has been the worst for me because I've already had a couple of guys swiped out from right under my and nose. And here's another one. <laughs> Chason was definitely going to the Cowboys at 17. And now the Cowboys are in trouble. 
Okay. Where do you go here? There's no obvious pick. There's only, well, well, no, there actually, is. There, there is for me because I think that their biggest needs for me, and I've seen Chase on connected to them in a mm-hmm. lot of people's articles. I think but I know where they you're going. also desperately would love to get their hands on a cornerback. Okay. And so the question is, how do you feel right now about the highest-rated corner, and is there value in the highest-rated corner on the board? What do you think about Javon Kinlaw here? Hmm. They signed Gerald McCoy and Dontari Poe, yeah, but they're both they, older players. They they are. Uh, I would suspect they they'd rather have they'd rather have a, a, an end as opposed to a tackle. Lance, did you think about Kinlaw for the Falcons at sixteen? I considered it because I did think that perhaps putting him with Grady Jarrett, who's an excellent player on the interior, makes sense. I would also, by the way, let me just throw this out: if there's any team that's going to move up, Atlanta could very well look to make a splash and go after Derek Brown. If they move up, don't also overlook that. C.J. Henderson's also a possibility for them, too, if they move. I did consider it, though. All right, so, Paul, 17 Dallas, who do you got? 17 Dallas. uh, I'm thinking Trevon Diggs. I think that'd be a good pick. I'm going to go cornerback for them. He's he's a guy that knows how to get after the football a little bit. Did you consider his teammate Xavier McKinney? Uh, No. No, I was really really thinking. I I think McKinney is a low first-round pick. I think Diggs has the ability to maybe get into the middle of the first, so this is kind of where his value might go, at least on the high end. Lance, you're back-to-back here, Niners and Raiders. We're halfway home. 18, Dolphins are going to take Justin Jefferson out of LSU. I was actually I thought you might have went Kinlaw there. No. I think the oh I'm sorry this is the Niners. This is the Niners way. at 18. The yes, Niners, correct. yeah. The Niners yeah. are taking Justin Jefferson. They need a wide receiver right now to uh, complement what is left behind, which is pretty much a youth movement. Mm-hmm. So I think Jefferson's got a lot of upside. And I was actually talking to Daniel Jeremiah earlier today on Sirius XM NFL Radio. He said he thinks Jefferson is going to be the number two wide receiver taken wow. in the first round. He thinks he could go right after C.D. Lamb. Wow. Ahead of Judy and ahead of Ruggs and ahead of the uh, other guys. I so, think that might be a little much, but okay. From what he's been hearing, he thinks a lot of teams are very high on Jefferson. They they just love the intangibles that he brings to the table and his route running. Oh, how about the Raiders? Then the Raiders certainly can use a wide receiver too. So that's something to consider. Now, the Raiders made C.J. A pick Henderson they took. Already, correct, earlier. So they did not address the receiver position. And now I think at the receiver position, you're probably reaching a little. So I think patience is probably best for the Raiders. That's why I'd probably go back to addressing the defensive side of the ball. And I would actually, look, if I'm the Raiders, I'd probably grab... Kenneth Murray, the linebacker out of Oklahoma here. He's a very Mike Mayocky type of player. Mm-hmm. And that's a good pick. Paul, you're up with the Jaguars at 20? Well, there's a guy we've been talking about for a while now, and that's going to be Javon Kinlaw. That is, boy, if this happens for the Jaguars and they walk out with Okuda and Kinlaw at 9-20. and 20, <laughs> You think they like it? They're going to throw a parade down there in Jacksonville. <laughs> yeah. Holy smokes. Well, and it also makes them feel a lot better considering they got rid of their entire defense this offseason. Yes, that's <laughs> and now they're happy. And I'm not exaggerating. They're happier that John didn't get them to make that deal with the Giants. <laughs> you're, abs- you're absolutely right. All right, right, let's go to number 21, the Philadelphia Eagles. They're not loving the, the wide receivers that were there. They were considering a trade-up, but the wide receivers went a little bit too early. They thought Justin Jefferson would be there, but the Niners swiped him. So they were not happy about that. So, do they? 
I think they feel like they can get a wide receiver a little bit later on in the draft. So I believe they will select a cornerback to, to play across from Darius Slay, and they will select A.J. Terrell. Okay. Cornerback out of Clemson plays man-to-man. That's what you want. Speed, aggressive. I think his struggles in the championship game are a little bit overrated. Um, so I think A.J. Terrell is the pick there for the Eagles. Now, Minnesota is not thrilled by that news because the Vikings really need a corner, and they're looking at the board right now, and they're saying to themselves, there's a lot of quality off the board at that position. There's some quality left. There is some, but I think maybe some of the guys that they were targeting were not necessarily still around. I still think Minnesota needs to address that position, and I'd probably lean towards, for them, here, grabbing Jalen Johnson out of Utah. Okay, we're going to pick up the pace here a little bit, guys. We're getting short on time. So, Paul, let's go to you and the Patriots at 23. Okay, uh, I like Gross Matos for them at 23 for New England. You like him better than Epinesa? Yeah, yeah, I do. I think he's a little bit better against the run. Okay, then the Bucks come up at 24. And, Paul, you're back-to-back here. I'm back-to-back. And uh, now at this point, I can take... Uh, I can take uh, uh, Josh Jones. Oh, and you still get the tackle. I do, I do get the tackle. There you go, Josh Jones. Vikings back on the clock here, Lance. I think they're going to steal A.J. Epinesa because, remember, Everson Griffin is no lock to come back. They've lost Linville Joseph up front. They need some help. So I think they take good value here, and they grab A.J. Epinesa. Okay. And then the Dolphins are up, Paul. They have already selected Justin Herbert and Andrew Thomas, and now they're up at 26. Yes. Now, this 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 is a real interesting call for me because uh, I'm really I'm really tempted to take Xavier McKinney here. He's a good player. Yeah, they could use, they could really use they could really use him. And I think again, we didn't pick him in the first round on either of our first two mocks. But I really like his I, I like his game, and I like his, his value in this spot. So I'm going to go for McKinney. By the way, I, I did my, my little chart here, and I came up with 17 like first true first-round grades. Like, I think McKinney's kind of like a 1-2, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I yeah. have like 17 true first-round grades. We're in that lower Just, area right now. Yeah, I agree. No, I, th- I, think, I think that's a good pick. All right, and then we uh, go to me and the Seahawks. The Seahawks would love to move down here because that's all they ever do is, is move down, move down, move down, move down. Uh, they're very irritated that neither U2 or Gross Matos nor AJ Epinesa are on the board for them because they really need an edge rusher, and both those guys are gone, and there is nobody else that I would consider a player good enough to take at that spot. So they really, really want to trade down here in the worst possible way. Uh, but they can't. So that's a problem. <sighs> Boy, this is a really tough spot for Seattle. I don't think there's an easy pick here. They still have Wagner, a linebacker. I'm gonna they take, can always let the clock expire. I'm going to take Ross Blacklock at a, TS, at a TCU. Because I think he's a good uh, penetrating, pass-rushing defensive tackle. Lance, Ravens at 28. I think the Ravens are going to look to shore up the middle of their defense. Uh, Baltimore loves to draft defensive players, and I actually think they're going to grab Patrick Queen, the linebacker out of LSU. That's a really good pick for them. Yeah. All right, Detino, you got the Titans at 29. 
Okay, so once again, Blacklock was targeted for me at Tennessee at 29. Well, here's a question, Paul. If, so, if, if Queen's in there at 28, you're the Giants at 36, do you move heaven and earth to try to get up there and make that pick? I don't. I don't. I'm not. I'm not as uh, as as enamored with Queen as other people are. Okay. I think he's a good prospect, but I don't think he's a difference maker. And I'd have to have a difference maker to try to move up those spots, Fair especially because the Giants don't have a plethora of first and second day picks to deal. Yeah, that that would cost them their third and fourth round, and that's probably, not going to work. And, and for probably me. something else, to be honest. I, with yeah, you. I can't. I no, can't see that's it. That's fair. All right, you're up with the Titans, Paul. 29. All right. Well, uh, Tennessee badly. Let's see. They didn't. They didn't pick before, right? This is their only pick of the draft. Yes, they didn't, correct. Yeah, they didn't have correct. one before, and boy, they need to really fortify that defensive line badly. And I'm looking here. You know what? They could take Zach Bond here. Oh, you know they, they could later. go for an edge guy. Yeah, couldn't you see Mike Vrabel being like, oh, I yeah. see a little nah, myself in that sense. guy. Yeah, I think they're desperate for a D lineman, but Bond would certainly fit something they need. They need an edge rusher too. So I'll go there. All right, Packers sitting here. They need an offensive tackle and an inside linebacker. They would have loved Patrick Queen here, uh, but that's not going to unfortunately happen for them. So I'm going to take a look, and I'm going to take um, Austin Jackson out of USC. Niners at 31, Lance. Is that six offensive tackles gone now? That is six, yes. And be careful. There might be some more coming up here. See, the Niners can look for a variety of different positions, I think, to address here. I still think they want to give Jimmy Garoppolo as much weaponry as possible. So even though I did take a wide receiver at 18, Justin Jefferson, I think they come around and they grab Brandon Ayuk here at 31 and give Garoppolo yet another target. Oh, him over Mims, huh? Yeah. Wow. I like Ayuk's uh, playmaking. That, that is a lot of run after catch with those two guys, man. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I like Ayuk too, but but I'd I'd have a hard time passing up Mims at that spot. Paul, Chiefs at thirty two. Thirty two. Uh look, they need back seven help on defense, and I think there's value in the draft in this spot. Oh, on there that is. Back seven. I agree. So so it's not hard for me to uh to look at uh, Jeff Gladney out of TCU. Okay. Did you I'm consider Jalen Johnson? Oh no, he got picked. Early. No, he got picked. Gone, I, I did him. you consider Christian Fulton there out of LSU? Actually, uh, my other thought, I, I, I was even thinking of going to uh, uh, Antoine Winfield huh? or safety. Delpit. I was thinking back seven, and I would have considered the safeties, but no, no, the corner is a little more important to what Spags usually does with his defense. So I'm going to go Gladney. The Bengals' offensive line has been a problem. They just drafted their franchise quarterback, so they want to put an offensive tackle there to help them, and they're going to draft Ezra Cleveland at pick number 33. No kidding. Hmm. Interesting. You don't think they need offensive tackle help? They're kind of a mess on that line. Yeah, I, I wonder if the value, though, I think I think that's more need than value there, don't you think? I think Cleveland might be a first-round pick, Paul. Everything I'm mm. hearing, I was surprised you was His there His name has been tossed around, late first round. It's possible. I think that that's certainly the high end, like I said before with McKinney. You know, you're talking about yeah. the high end, the ceiling for that guy. All right, Lance, 34, Colts. Let's put it this way. Just as a quick side note, I think it's important that a guy with the last name Cleveland goes to one of the teams in Ohio. <laughs> I think it's only appropriate. I know. That's the type of analysis that you don't yes, get anywhere other true. than Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com. So I just wanted to make that clear. Colts yes, at 34. Indianapolis. And the Colts, 
I think they also could go in a variety of directions, but here's where maybe they toy with the idea of grabbing a quarterback for the future. Phillip Rivers is on a one-year deal. Clearly, they may not be that fond of Jacoby Brissett getting the job back if Rivers retires, so I actually could see them grabbing Jordan Love here at 34. Really? Yep. Hmm. I wonder if a team might move up to grab him. I don't know. We'll see. That's interesting. Paul, That's you got four, the Lions. QBs, by the way. Lions at 35, Mr. Dettino. That is that quarterback is number yeah. four, yes. Yeah, well, it, there's no question where, where the Lions have to go. It's It's got to be uh, along the front seven on defense. Uh, I mean, I they already drafted Derek Brown. Yeah, and, and well, that's why I said front seven. I mm-hmm. didn't say necessarily defensive line. It's a, it's a little high here, but if you like his upside and you really believe, and they certainly need a pass rush. Ooh, Okwara? Uh, no, I'm I'm looking at Bradley and I out of Utah. Ooh, it's a little high, a little high. But he has he does have a lot of upside, and the people who like him love his pass rush. Do you know how disappointed the Okwara family yeah, is right yeah, now? Yeah, they could have had him on the same they, team. They could have had a family reunion, Paul, and you just swiped <laughs> yeah, that did. away from them. You just took it right from them. You had Romeo at the edge of his seat, <laughs> dying to see Julian's name called, and you just, you just heartless person you are. Yeah, well, he's we a heartless already. human being. Unfortunately for him, Anai has more upside than his brother does. <laughs> All right, let's go. Uh, the Giants at thirty-six, and guys, I, I could sit here and hem and haw, but I don't have to. Cesar Ruiz is sitting there for Michigan. This is an easy pick for me. I'm not even thinking about it. I'm picking Cesar Ruiz, and I'm very happy about it. I could easily see that based on the way this board fell, although I would give you pause. Would you consider Michael Pittman? And you know me. I love Michael Pittman. (laughs) I am like captain of the Michael Pittman fan club. (laughs) But, dude, Denzel Mims is there too. Yeah, they're both there. And so is T. Higgins. All three of them are there. Yes. I have confidence I can find a good wide receiver at the end of round three. I'm taking Cesar Ruiz. Okay. Hey, Wirfs and Ruiz I would be the it. two picks under these circumstances. And that's not too shabby. And by no. the way, one of those wide receivers would be tempting, by the way. Very tempting. Uh, there's no question. All right, guys, real quickly, final thoughts before we say goodbye on the, on the mock draft. And we'll, and we'll have one more time to talk tomorrow more uh, afternoon before the draft. Well, you know, John, I, I think the bottom line is, as we've gone through these three different mocks, um, I really thought that the teams I had in the first two mocks, it seemed like there was a lot of really good matches between value and need throughout the entire first round. And those are the picks that I had today, by the way, and I happen to agree with you. Now, today, that didn't happen for me. Yeah. I, I had more trouble matching value with need, and I reached on probably at least three or four of these. And so I wonder how much of value and need will equate and match up uh, come the next uh, next few days during the real draft. It's, it's going to be very intriguing for me to see how that goes. Lance, real quick. Well, I just find this exercise interesting because if you compared our three mock drafts, there are some similarities that we all went when we had an opportunity to pick different teams. But then when it came down to 36 for the Giants, we all went in different directions because all of the players that were taken were not available on previous drafts, which just goes to show you the mm-hmm. uncertainty. And it this. depends who's available is going to dictate yeah. who the Giants pick. It's really that simple. Guys, a lot of fun today. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Absolutely. Good to talk to you, John. For Lance Meadow, for Paul Dettino, I'm John Strzok. We'll have one more Big Blue kickoff tomorrow. We'll try to get up early afternoon so you can enjoy it before the draft tomorrow night. Have a good one, everybody. Stay safe.